Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest of Welcome, Talking Terror fans, nationwide and worldwide. Welcome back, Screamlings, to an all-new episode of Talking Terror. I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you back on this Thanksgiving Eve extravaganza of an episode. Uh, tonight, it is my pick, and I decided to go back to the year 2013 to discuss the film The Sacrament, directed by Ty West. A take on the Jonestown Massacre, if you will. We're going to get into it. Uh, but first, I'm joined, as always, by the bold, the beautiful, the ghoul geek, Keith. Hello, hello, hello. Did you say Rackerman? <laughs> oh, man. And word, please. Because that's what I do. Got to censor ourselves in the show. Causing a joke that we talked about earlier. So, uh, welcome back. Well, how have you been? Uh, Check your room. <laughs> Whoops, Tyrone. Get the hell out of my bedroom, man. It's a one-person room. So how have oh, you been, man. sir? I am good, man. You know, another day in paradise over here in the great state of New Jersey. Um, just doing my thing, working, and, you know, preparing for, uh, for Thanksgiving. And, you know, I don't know, probably not going to do any kind of uh, Black Human Friday sacrifice. shopping. But, oh, you know. Okay, that's it. You never know. You know, that's one of those where uh, if I do it, I ain't going anywhere to do it. I'll simply do it from home. Mm. But it's uh, it's always a possibility. Well, don't they have Cyber Mondays now where you don't even have to go out? Like you just wait until Monday after Black Friday and just do it all then and get the same deals? Mm-hmm. So there you true. go. Very true. Fuck the crowds. You know, just go online on Monday and get the same deal. So why not? Get yourself an Xbox for $300 or whatever the price you're selling them at these days. I don't know. I'm not a gamer. Don't know. Oh. But I'm sure it's going to be Dude, good. they've got, suppose, you know, from what I've seen, they got some great deals on a PS2. Um, uh, not a PS2. Okay. Geez, a PS2. Yeah, well, I would mm. hope they got some great fucking deals on a PS2. Yeah. Um, oh, PS4. They're doing, like, PS4 for 200 bucks, and then, like, the uh, – oh. V the VR, um, yeah. like a VR combo with like another you know with like a game and everything for like two fifty. So you're talking mm. like full on PS4 with the freaking VR setup for under five hundred oh. bucks. It's like ridiculous, you know. Like I totally want. I so want to just be like, yeah, I'm getting <laughs> that, and uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, everything. It's taking everything in my fucking like ability to keep it under control and not do that. That that's crazy. Even that, I'm interested in all that for 200 bucks. That that's a hell of a deal. But I think last year PS4s were on sale for the same kind of price, but they didn't include that VR. So that's like an added. Well, bonus again, the VR is like so. the VR is 250, Xbox mm. is 200. So like I said, you're under, 
you're under 500 for for right. quite a setup. That is not bad at all. Um, and speaking about uh, crazy shoppers, we do have the Mad Monkey banging on his cage, letting to be let out of his cage. <laughs> all the tapioca is gone. So, Monkey, hello. Hey there, my friends. This is your cuddly little horror host, the Mad Monkey, here for another fun-filled, fright-filled episode of Talking Terror. Monkey, monkey. Right out the gate, okay. bringing that heat, as the monkey always does. So how are you, monkey? I'm doing all right. I'm just having trouble because I was listening to the intro, and it's just for me, it's just I'm just picturing the ghoul. If he gets this PS VR setup, you know he's going to be looking for some VR porn. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. I, I fully agree. Listen, man. I, I, you know what? I, I've, I've tried the VR porn. Oh, lie. I gave it a shot. You know, we got one of those uh, cheap little headset things that you could stick your phone in and all this and that. Yeah, you know, not touch I, your phone. It's not for me. You know, I'm not a I'm not a PO person in the first yeah, place. Yeah. So you know, I prefer to be able to see like a full on scene, and you know, it, it's you know, it kind of like even ties into like the movie tonight. I'm not a found footage person, you know, and that that stems that goes that extends to porn as well. We do not like found footage porn. We do not like shaky cams running through a, a kitchen where some guy is supposed to be a plumber working on somebody's sink. No, we but like solid shots. <laughs> <laughs> just like the, I just like the story. That's what I'm there for. I'm there for the plot. I'm there for the acting. I want to be. I want to be the voyeur, man. You know what I mean? I, I don't want to 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 be the person getting it done. I want to be the person hiding in the corner watching. <laughs> just quietly masturbating while they get it on. That's that's I think that's everybody's dream. Really, I mean, there's anything porn. fucking quiet about it, man. It's straight up loud as shit. <laughs> oh, oh so uh, one of those guys. Yeah. yeah. But but all that being said, uh, I just want to say like I'm super excited about tomorrow. I've got the king coming over for Thanksgiving, so we're gonna be hanging out, carrying on the tradition from t- tonight on into tomorrow. <clears throat> we'll be drinking vast amounts. Of alcohol, and I will try not to burn down the kitchen this year. <laughs> That'd be nice. I would like not to have smoke inhalation this year added to the list. I will do my best, sir. <laughs> As I know you will. Uh, so yeah, that's what we're going to be doing. Uh, I'm really excited about it. Uh, the monkey, myself, the diva. You know, traditional Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, you know, MST3K is going to be on the TV. There's going to be plenty of fun to be had. A lot of alcohol. Uh, so, what are you doing, Ghoul, for Thanksgiving this year? I shall be hitting my mother's house relatively early uh, for a little bit of food and going to follow that up with, uh, after the little ghouling, little Sammy, we're calling it a little monster lately. Um, I like that. That's cool. (laughs) She she shall be departing to her uh, uncle's house, and Mm. me and the ghoul girl shall go experience Creed 2 in theaters. Mm. Oh, and okay. speaking of Creed 2, uh, you did a little sideshow episode of Talking Terror regarding the Rocky series. Uh, I recommend everybody uh, check that out. It's not a horror podcast episode. It's a Rocky episode, but it's a great one. So, uh, you know, thank you again, Ghoul, for doing that because it's good every now and then to kind of go off the beaten path and do something worthwhile like the Rocky series. Yeah, me and uh, me and the kiddo had had talked about this a couple months ago, and you know we're both big Sylvester Stallone fans, 
and with Creed two around the corner and the announcement of a of a new Rambo series, a new Rambo movie coming. We just, uh, you know, it, it's something we've been passionate about. You know, he's been an actor. We've just had it our, for our entire lives. Um, yeah. You know, we've we've watched him from, you know, his, his starts to, to where we're mm-hmm. at now. So we just felt like it was something that we wanted to do. And, yeah, we had a great time doing the episode. I'm glad you enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, whoever listens, you know, I hope you guys enjoy it as well. Part two will be, uh, you know, focusing on the Rambo series and, you know, look for that. When the uh, the new Rambo movie is gonna finally hit, we'll get it out around that time. Okay. Yeah, that's wait a uh, minute, twenty nineteen, right next year. Uh yeah, sometime, uh, you know, sometimes twenty nineteen. Sure. Okay. Go ahead, monkey. No, I was gonna say the Doc is a Sylvester Stallone fan. I never would have. Oh known. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Very Stallone fan. That's Doc. Yeah. <laughs> I thought he was a Chuck Norris guy, but apparently he's Sylvester Stallone. You know, who would have known? Learn oh, we, we have our love for Chuck Norris, too, man. I don't know. Ch- yeah, Chuck no, Norris yeah, is, a, yeah. uh, is, is a beast all his own, you know? Yeah. Uh, he, yeah. He's, after all these years of those, those Chuck Norrisisms and everything, it's, it's kind of hard yeah. to take the man serious now, you know? But I remember yeah. as a kid watching, you know, like, uh, you know, the fucking the, the, the mission – Movies and all that stuff. Uh, yeah. Delta Force. It was. Uh, yeah. Delta Force. You know, Invasion USA. Like, I, I, as a as a young kid, those were all very real movies to me. You know, and uh, Missing in Action. You know, like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. That was. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't know. Like for for all the action that Rambo was, you know, those movies were like the serious films. You know, little did I know, like Apocalypse Now and shit like that, like really, really threw you into the shit. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, Hamburger, so, Hamburger yeah, Hill, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. At some point, uh, uh, the King wants to do uh, what was it again? Uh, blood, no, rage. blood rage, silent rage, silent rage. You know, I was going to ask which, you about uh, that. Have you guys which, ever seen that one? I saw it. I had it on, uh, my dad actually had gotten that shit on like a bootleg VHS when he would get those every now and again. So uh, I'd seen it a, a couple of times at that time. You know, my biggest disappointment was there wasn't, there was not a lot of martial arts in the movie. There was enough. I mean, uh, Monkey, have you ever seen Silent, Silent Rage? Okay. So are you going to couple Silent Rage with Blind Fury? Ooh, that might be a good double header. <laughs> yeah, but... Yeah, Silent Rage, Chuck Norris versus I love uh, Michael Sherry. Myers. It's so <laughs> Man, good. I fucking love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, Silent Rage, Chuck Norris is a sheriff battling a Michael Myers-type character. Roundhouse kicking an entire bar full of bikers for no fucking reason. <laughs> like, it's a, it's such a great, fun 80s Chuck Norris movie. I would love to cover it on the show one of these days because it does have a horror element to it. But, yeah, you get to see Chuck Norris walking around with a mustache kicking people in the face. Like an hour and a half. To me, that's what well, he always did. That's, a, yeah. that's like Swayze and Roadhouse. If you don't see at least one Roundhouse kick, you're not watching the right movie. <laughs> Roadhouse. Fucking Roadhouse, man. I love that movie. <laughs> it's his one of my name. Yeah. It's Elton. <laughs> Such a great one that I feel like it's underrated in the, the pantheon of movies. You know, Point Break, say what you want about it, but Roadhouse is my go to Patrick Swayze movie. Oh, that's a dope. rough one, man. Point Break is always fucking awesome, you know. There's, there's, there's no, yeah. 
that came out at like the perfect time for me at the age that mm-hmm. I was and where I was, you know, just moving to Jersey and, and all the people that I was like interacting with were all surfers uh, mm-hmm. and like skateboard types and everything. So it was like, right. it just like fucking like fell right into that world. And it was, yeah, I love that fucking movie. I have that shit on Xbox, man. I, I throw it on all the time. Yeah, that one. I mean, I know that the, the monkey said it kind of ingests, but Ghost, I like Ghost. I'll watch that if it's on. It's not a bad movie. It has a good movie. I saw it um, in theaters. Yeah, it's it's not a bad movie. I mean, it's a movie that I, I, I watch every now and then when it's on. That and uh, Red Dog. Wolverines! Like, that's such a good well, movie. Well, fuck yeah, Wolverines. <laughs> the, the, cool, the, the, the only thing, like, you know, like, I... I really could never get into Ghost, but I did like the the idea that they brought about, you know, the netherworld and how people get there and the different ways. And it was a really nice way, uh, or I thought it was a fun, interesting way of talking about heaven and hell without saying heaven and hell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And plus those creatures that came up out of the fucking four boards. And oh, fuck like yeah. Those little shadow creatures are so cool. So good. And I am not ashamed to admit that I am a Dirty Dancing fan. You know, big time. That is also another one that I do own on my Xbox. Uh, You know, haven't watched it since I bought it. You know, watched it that one time. But I don't know. That that movie's kind of like Footloose for me. You know, like it's like a guilty pleasure type of flick. So do you go Footloose or Dirty Dancing? Because I go Footloose if I have to choose between the two. I think Footloose is a better movie. They're both different animals, man. Dirty Dancing is a better love story. Footloose is, you know, just more in tune with a younger Mm. audience with Kevin Bacon at the age that he was and the whole teenage thing and everything. And I guess Dirty Dancing is more of a chick flick, I guess, too. And it was was more of a period piece, uh, Dirty Dancing. It it did a good time of capturing the time when it was supposed to take place. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know what? We watched that because uh, it was like a two-pack that I got. It had the new version of Dirty Dancing that they did, um, which was just a full-on remake of the original. Um, yeah. Terrible. Terrible. Like, really bad. I, I don't know if it was like a made for TV. I think it might have been made for TV, but it was, yeah, no. No, 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 no. No, that was not like the Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, that got the actor. And I remember being a kid, and my mom was so excited because um, my dad actually took my mom to the vineyards where they filmed Dirty Dancing, and they got to stay in the cabins and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, she she came back with all this fucking swag that she brought back from the fucking place. You know, (laughs) she was so excited to to actually walk around, you know, what was the set of Dirty Dancing. That is really cool. Papa Children's. Um, and that's, yeah. one of the things, too, is, uh, you know, when you say that's my guilty pleasure movie, like the older I get, the more I don't like to say it's a guilty pleasure. It's just a pleasure movie. Like, it's a movie that I like. Like, you know, it's yeah, not a movie, but, you know, do I mean, you, I don't know how you, do guys you find feel, it pleasurable. I just <laughs> like it as a movie, you know? There's I plenty just of like to say the like, word, you know? I like putting yeah. the word pleasure. guilty and pleasure together, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. It makes I you mean, feel dirty. Uh, like for years, I mean, I still stand by it. I love Pretty in Pink. Like it's one of my favorite movies, and I used to say Guilty oh, Pleasure all the time. And now I'm just like, like Pretty in Pink, a great fucking movie. 
man, I made out to the soundtrack to that movie so much with like my first real girlfriend where I was actually getting past second base. It's like we yeah. made out so much to that fucking soundtrack. It's like every time Ooh, now I hear oh, Monkey was you touching know. the titty. I was touching boy over the back. shirt or under. Ooh. No, it was under? no we no we were no we were going like full on third base all the time. It was also awesome. Oh, <laughs> he was dipping wow. in the pink. Ah, uh, getting that psychedelic fur action. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Monkey you know, getting the pretty, fur burger. Yeah, it was pretty yeah. pink. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was a pretty pink, yeah, for sure. First time I ever saw that kind of stuff, it was awesome. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> I'd never seen this before except in porn movies that I saw on scrambled television. And I can yeah, see it I had it all. I had an altar to John Hughes thinking of every day. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, yeah, pretty insane stuff, you know, uh, 16 Candles, you know, those type of movies. I mean, it, it, I like those movies. You know, John Hughes especially, big, you know, part of my childhood. And those movies still stand up today, you know, and, and I, I rewatch them constantly. I mean, I've never been a big Molly Ringwald fan. I mainly watch it for James Spader and Pretty in Pink because I think that James Spader is perfect as a villain. And every fucking movie mm-hmm. does. Even if he's a good guy, I'm like, he should be the villain. Like, you know, less than zero, pretty in pink. Like, yeah, he, he's the ultimate bad guy, even when he's trying to be a good guy. Oh, yeah, he was awesome in less than zero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, getting get out of man uh, tough cock. <laughs> <laughs> really. Seriously, amazing. Yeah, I know. Um, but do you guys have anything you want to talk about with horror news before I kind of click off some articles that I have to talk about. I guess the doc is not going to be joining us. He is knee deep in cheddar. I guess at the moment cooking. Cheddar goblin. Got to get that to me. Well, well, I've got something super quick is just apparently um, sci-fi is definitely. Everything the monkey's got is super quick. (laughs) Yeah. But apparently sci-fi is definitely going full bore with the Leprechaun um, relaunch because they just recently put out a bunch of teaser posters um, mm-hmm. saying the Leprechaun returns. Yeah. And we've got the Leprechaun columns coming out of the cauldron and all that. So, you know, they've got cover art and all that. So <laughs> I don't think they've even began filming, but they've already got the poster out saying, yeah, we're definitely going to do this shit. Well, they released a trailer, too. The trailer's out. Oh, oh, for, oh okay. For I didn't know that they started yeah. they started filming. Okay. Oh no, trailer's right. out, and the trailer looks good. I mean, I'll I'll, I'll defer to YouTube later. Uh, put it on the Facebook page, but yeah, uh, the trailer's out, and it actually looks fun. Returning to the roots of the original Leprechaun series, um, because even the actor that played Francis in uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, who was also in Leprechaun, he returns yeah. as the same character but like older and kind of like more wise to the leprechaun. And he's trying to warn these people kind of like crazy Ralph on Friday 13. It's fucking right. great. Like I was, I cannot wait for leprechaun returns. I never thought I would say that, but I'm like, yeah, I'm looking forward to this movie. Like it looks like it's going to be a fun return to what leprechaun was. Well, cool. Um, and anytime cool. I can see Francis, I'm good. Uh, I, I've guys, never been a fan of leprechaun or that series. Uh, so I just, I can't. At least the first one. I mean, I, I watched the first one, and I liked it. The sequels, I, I never really enjoyed, but the first one, it was fun. You know? Is and it a guilt because pleasure? Or is no, it just a pleasure? No, it's a pleasure. <laughs> but, 
Um, but, yeah, so i got a couple things I wanted to talk about. One of them is taking us back to when we were kids, wearing our pajamas on Saturday morning, watching them cartoons, and you're pouring yourself a breakfast cereal of choice. Mine was always Monster Cereal by General Mills. So I was Uh-oh. a Frankenberry fan. Count Shockua, Frankenberry, what up? I love those three cereals. Blueberry was my shit. This last week that apparently General Mills is looking to make a cinematic universe out of those titular characters of Count Chocula, Frankenberry, and Booberry. But not only are they willing to make a cinematic universe, but they want to get the fans involved to submit stories and scripts and possible plot synopsises of movies that they would want to see being made for the big screen. So you could potentially have your script picked up and made into a movie based on these uh, serial characters. I was like, hey, I'd love to see a Count Chocula movie or a Blueberry movie. I think it would be fun as hell. Uh, so I kind of wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that. Moving forward with Monster Serial. <laughs> yeah, leave it alone. Leave it alone. Listen, you know what? They, they've already done this, and that's the problem. What they just don't realize is it's called Hotel Transylvania. You know, come on. I mean, I'm really, do we need now. to have, like, an entire fucking story crafted around Count Chocula? Yes. Or, or so. Booberry or Frankenberry? I'm good. I'm good. It's like the, uh, yeah, no. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> I, I would like, to, I mean, nope. I think as, um, I don't like the fact that they want fans to kind of, like, throw stuff in there. Like, I'm like, all right, that's cool. I mean, I guess if you're a fan of those serials and you're like, I have an idea. That's fine, but I feel like it's kind of lazy. <laughs> it's like, we want to do this, but we have no idea what we want to do. So we're reaching out yeah. to you guys, and you guys pick up what you want to do. Like, yeah, yeah well, of course. Okay. Yeah, of course it's lazy as fuck. It's like, okay, and then we're going to sit there and also write in other serials, like, you know, we're going to br- bring in the alien from the Qu- the Quisp serial sh- showing up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the Cookie Crisp Thief. Or the uh, the wizard from back in the day making a cameo appearance, and the Lucky Charms leprechaun. No, but I could just come in and kick everybody's ass and be done with it. (laughs) You know he would do that too, because you know he knows like serious like fucking kung fu and shit. He could probably do it. We get Tony the Tiger. (laughs) (laughs) They're great. He just goes around and just eats everyone. No, yeah, it's, it's, I, I, I don't think this could actually work as a cinematic universe. And I agree 100% with you, King, where the fact that they're saying we want to do this, but we have no fucking idea what to do, so do you guys have any ideas? It's like, you know, it's them just saying, yes, we want to make lots of money on this. We have no idea how to fucking do it. How about you give us a story? And then we will, and then we will give you neither credit nor money for it, but we will... <laughs> Try and do it on our. Oh well, I mean they'll take it to a whole nother level. You know, like this takes crowdfunding, and you know it makes it into crowd writing, you know, or at least mm-hmm. crowd storyboarding. And you know what? Yeah, sure. Come up with all the ideas. Come up with the story for us. Come up with the money for us to make the movie, um, just so that we can make it. And then whatever money we make, you know, we'll, we'll keep. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, uh, it, it, to me, I mean, it's a fun idea. When I think about it, because I was like, you know what, like like you had mentioned, Ghoul, uh, you know, Hellfell Transylvania. I've never seen those movies. I know they exist. I know kids are big fans of those. 
Um, I know that a lot of kids are from Monster High, which is like yeah. another thing for kids. Um, I just thought it'd be a cool thing, you know, to have like a maybe an animated cinematic universe for kids of uh, Count Chocula and Frankenberry and Booberry and Yummy Mummy and Fruit Brute and all those, you know, all the monster serial guys. You know, yeah, I can't but... see them making a dark DC cinematic universe out of these guys with a gritty movie starring Booberry. That's a murdered child, you know, when I was a kid. And all of a sudden, now, you know, that's kind no. of the problem. The demographic that's going to know about those serials and be willing to write something for them are mm. not children. So yeah. are they really going to be willing to put all that time and effort into a cartoon? You know, which then at that point, you know, obviously these serials, I can't believe we're talking about a fucking cinematic universe based on a bunch of cartoon serials that Uh, are not even anything more than commercial. Um, But, you know, the fact is, it's not like those would work as live action either. You know, so you got to go cartoon Mm -hmm. with it, which I think then alienates who you're fucking selling the movie to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I agree in that sense. Um, I mean, we'll see what happens. I know this is an idea. Go ahead, Monkey. No, but on top of all that, it's like, how about we get General Mills to just have the cereal out more than a fucking month a year, all right? Because when we yeah, were growing up, yeah. it, it was out all the time. The commercials were Count out Jockey all was. the time. No, all, Count Jocula, Frankenberry, and Booberry were out in the 80s and 90s all the time, all right? Uh, Yummy <laughs> Mummy came and went. And for Why? came and went. Yeah, but they were out all the time. And the the commercials were on TV all the time, and it's just now it's just a Halloween gimmick that General Mills does, and they put they put it out in Halloween, and then they take it right yeah. off the fucking show. Yeah, yeah but by making it a gimmick, it's sell it's selling better than if they tried to put it out all the time, where then it's sitting on shelves, nobody's eating it, <laughs> nobody's talking about it, nobody's thinking about it. By doing it as a gimmick instead, now you kind of yeah. drum up that popularity. People look at it. It's like the fucking, uh, the, what do you call it, man? The shamrock shake from McDonald's. Uh, you know, okay. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I love that damn thing. You know, that tastes Me great, too. man. <laughs> but at the same time, too, that's part of what makes, like, you know, the St. Patrick time, like, kind of exciting because that's when I get to have it, you know. and. Right. Would I love to have it all year round? Of course. But at the same time, too, if it was available all year round, I wouldn't have it all that often, you know, because I'm not thinking about it. <laughs> that's all true, right. too. I mean, it's like uh, the McRib coming back this year for December. I guess that's their whole thing. They bring it back in December. <laughs> oh, it's probably since February. February. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, they bring that back. Oh, so, I'm sorry. Stuff. That yeah. was bad. My bad. My bad. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. <laughs> Right? But that's but yeah, but that's also the thing. But, but yeah, but yeah, and the thing was when we were growing up as kids, especially um, the, the ghoul and I gr- growing up in, in the early '80s as kids, it's like the monster. I mean, the the cereal aisle, you know, was this fucking battleground of everyone that was trying to, you know, get our attention. It was you know yeah. just as bad as Saturday morning cartoons, and the, the cereal aisle. Was really, but both sides of the aisle, every box had, you know, prizes and toys in it and shit like that. And there was constantly commercials on television. And, it, you know, it was a big thing. Kids today, you know, hardly even eat cereal. You know, they're eating fucking Cliff Bars or some shit like that. You know, it's... it's Sam, Sammy's an oatmeal it. kid. Yeah, yeah. And that's cool, too. I mean, we survived yeah. the Ralston era of cereals, where it's like, if it was popular, <laughs> they're going to make a cereal out of it. 
you know, oh, that Super was Mario so Brothers, fucking got awesome. it. Zelda, got it. Batman, got it. Ghostbusters, you got it. <laughs> Any popular <laughs> title was being made by Ralston. You know, so that's the serial brand that I grew up with when I was a kid. And see, what sucked for me is, is even though, like, yes, I grew up in that time where all of these serials were definitely battling. I mean, you know, television commercials offering all kinds of money and prizes and oh, things. Yeah. And get this, get that. Buy this cereal, get this piece, write this in and do this, do that, and you're going to get this. And then they'd make whatever it is look really fucking cool on the TV. It's like the decoder ring in fucking A Christmas Story, you know? It's like the little orphan <laughs> Annie thing, you know? And the end, it turns out to fucking just, you know... Drink more Ovaltine. Um, you know, and that happened all the time. You know, that's why I love that movie so much. There's yeah. so few times I was ever really happy with anything I ever got out of those cereal boxes in the rare time that I did actually get a cereal that I wanted. Because my mother couldn't have cared less if I wanted fucking any of those cereals, man, as far as she was concerned. It was whatever was cheap, but at least good enough for like my my stepdad to eat so pretty much always came down to frosted flakes that's what we had we had fucking frosted flakes so i grew up eating frosted flakes all the time Mm. Uh, the one i remember was uh the ghostbuster cereal that coincided with the cartoon um my parents bought me that and it was a horrific tasting cereal but the only reason i wanted it was because they had a a thing where if you sent in the box tops you can get a t-shirt with this holographic image of the Ghostbusters. And I was like, I fucking want that. I'm a kid. Love it. I was like, I will suffer for all this fucking cereal so I can send in the box tops to get this T-shirt. Yeah. And it was a shitty T-shirt on top of it, but I still liked it. I was like, you know what? I made it. I, you know, I got the T-shirt. I'm going to wear the shit out of it when I was a kid because it's a holographic image and it was so cool. But, yeah. Malston never really cared about the taste. They just cared about the content. If I can interject real quick, just because the T-shirt thing made me think of it, and it's got nothing to do with cereal, but it does have to do with yeah. shirts. Uh, mm-hmm. Go to the New Jersey, if anybody listening, you know, go to the New Jersey Horicon site. They just put out these ugly Christmas sweaters with the Jersey Horicon logo and everything. They are fantastic, oh, but they are lim- they are limited quantity. So get them now while you can, man. I ordered mine already. I got it literally, like, within – Ten minutes after he fucking put the the little thing out, that he put them out, man. They, it looks so cool. I'm so stoked, man. I know That's I'm never great. gonna get a chance to wear it though, because the ghoul girl's gonna totally steal that shit. <laughs> you, know, you know she will. Um, but moving away T-shirt from beef. the cereals to uh, what we talked about last week with Stanley passing away, we talked about it at the start of the show. Had a little memorial for him, uh, but news actually broke out uh, just this past week that apparently in 1991, after Sam Raimi wrapped up on Darkman, Stan Lee reached out to him and said, I really like Darkman. That was a great movie. We should do something together. And he goes, all right, Stan, what, what do we got? He goes, you know what, uh, Stan, I would love to do a Thor movie. I would love to make one and release it. So Stan and Sam Raimi worked on the script and took it to Fox Studios, and they said, no, comic book movies don't make good movies, so we're not doing it. Pass. And it never got made. So thinking about that, where do you guys think that Sam Raimi could have made a good Thor movie, especially in '91, which is a very early time for comic book movies. Especially <laughs> since what we got is what we got with Captain America, oh. you know, in the TV movies. '91, seriously? '91, yeah. Marvel couldn't even put out their own shit because at that time, <clears throat> Marvel went and put out their. Um, Punisher movie with Dolph Lundgren, 
Yeah. At the at the same time, they put out their crappy Captain America movie, which was um, actually yeah, <laughs> but never even was never even officially released on VHS. The only way to get that was if you had a pirate. You know, mm. um, then they had Turn the crappy Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> or here's your tape, matey. Enjoy Captain and America. Here's your Captain America, <laughs> you scallywag. <laughs> and then on top of that, uh, movie-wise, then there was the crappy Fantastic Four movie where the Human Torch <laughs> literally lit up for like ten seconds in the movie. I own it. Other than, mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me. Other than that, the only stuff we were getting from the Marvel Universe at that time were the TV movies that were coming out, like the Trial of the Incredible Hulk, where you yep, did have yep. Thor in it, <laughs> but it was really, really bad, you know, and <clears throat> that was the best we were getting. And then, yeah. let's see here, uh, I want to say three years later, in 94, or early 95, Marvel went and put out the pilot for the Generation Next series. Mm-hmm. That they w- wanted to put out, and I actually enjoyed that pilot. I watched it just. Oh, the, Generation uh, X. Yeah. No generation. I remember that. No generation. Yeah. No gender. No, not Generation mm-hmm. X. Generation Next. Oh, I don't. Generation Next. Okay. Oh, I know Generation X. Oh, sorry, sorry. Generation Next was the alternate timeline one. Yeah, you're right. Well, it yeah. was Generation X. It was Generation X. Yeah. yeah the Generation Next yeah. was uh, Age of Apocalypse. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're right. But, yeah, in Generation X, it was supposed to be, like, them picking up new mutants and turning it into a new thing. And they had this pilot out there, out there about <clears throat> the White Queen and Banshee getting together for mm-hmm. a new school, you know. And they put the pilot out based on the comic book. And, it, unfortunately, it never went anywhere, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at that time. Oh, it's because it was terrible. <laughs> yeah, you know, but it was a because it new mutants, so... <laughs> But, it's, yeah, it's just, you know, 91, it, you know, I just think that, again, me personally, and then I'll shut the fuck up. Things oh, happened okay. the way – no, thing, things happened the way they did and worked at a marvelous pace to where Marvel took its time, no pun intended, and built its cinematic universe up over time, taking steps with its CGI to now yeah. it's gotten to a point where – the CGI is fluid, and we can actually have an honest representation of what the comic books were, and it does them justice. It just back then, mm-hmm. it's just for what the Marvel universe was presenting. Nothing in 1991, in my opinion, would have met the quality of what the, was being presented in the worlds of the comics. Mm-hmm. And so, Gould, where do you stand with the you know possibility of Sam Raimi in 1991 doing a Thor movie with Stan Lee involved? Uh, I think that, you know, the technology just wasn't there yet. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, Jurassic Park was, you know, just coming out. And, you know, that was like groundbreaking as far as, you know, CGI technology went. Um, You know, and I still, you know, I still love that movie to this day, you know, just because it still has that that awe type of feeling about it. Yeah. I don't think for what Thor is and what, you know, you'd want from that character, I don't think they could have done it at this time, even with Sam Raimi, you know? I mean, yeah, he would have gone hard with the effects because that's what they would have done. Maybe we would have gotten a more visceral movie, um, but I don't know if it would have been a quality movie. 
Mm-hmm. And, of course, Bruce Campbell probably will play Thor, which I would have paid tickets. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> I would have <laughs> I, I paid that ticket. But, no, um, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think 91 is a little bit too early for those uh, movies. So I don't blame Fox for saying, you know what, comic, you know, a comic book turning into a movie probably wouldn't work. Uh, but then again, 10 years later, Sam Raimi made Spider-Man, which, you know, to me, I, I still love that Raimi universe that he created. It's just a great, you know, use of CGI and, and set pieces, and, and it works. But that was also 10 years later. You know, it's not, you yeah. didn't do it in the 90s. Yeah. And, and when like, you look like at it, cool and thing. when you look at it now, though, too, even that movie, there's a lot of ugly things going on in that film. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know it, it, he, he proved it is a tough movie. <laughs> yeah, but you know the the acting was good. I mean, we've talked about it numerous times on the show. You know about that particular movie, but you know it kind of set the pace. I think in a lot of ways for what you could do. I mean, X Men came out the year before in 2000, and I think that really kind of set the stage for what was to come with the you know the cinematic universes. You know, it, it showed you what we you have- could do. Gotta remember, we had Blade before all of that, man. And that was, you know, yeah. that, that was its own thing. That was 98, wasn't it? 98, 99? Blade? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, there you go. Uh, but Blade, I always kind of put Blade in, like, a separate category. You know, when I compare it to, uh, you know, Spider-Man and X-Men and, and the Avengers movies that came after that. You know, Blade was its own separate entity. That movie worked as a horror movie, you know, even if you never knew Blade was a comic book hero, and a lot of people didn't. A lot of people didn't even realize that Blade started out as a Marvel character. It just worked on its own. I prefer Blade 2 over Blade 1, but that's just my own preference. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, think uh, I, I agree with that completely. I think, I think that fucking... Uh, I think Blade 1 was fantastic up until the yeah. end um, mm-hmm. when he turns into that blood like CGI monstrosity, which is just yeah. Like yeah. A, a, a blurry, pixelated, like, what am I looking at type of deal <laughs> that is just, yeah. And that wasn't even good then. You know, it wasn't like I could be like, oh, yeah, well, it was fantastic then. Now, uh, you know what? Even then, no. I was like, oh, you know, that kind of sucks because the whole movie was so good and that was just so ugly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think about was... the, that monkey? Good. No, I, no, I was going to say, yeah. Um, that that was the cool thing about Blade was it got Marvel a ton of money to sit there and mm-hmm. push towards its movies later by getting butts like actual butts in the seats and people excited about these movies and then later you know you see that little bit going based on the comic book <laughs> and only a couple people noticed it but yeah it had a huge following that that spurred on several several sequels and people kept going in the theater and it was awesome because. Even though I wasn't Blade fan, I wasn't you know a fan of the whole Midnight Sun thing and all that. Yeah. It was still cool to see people. You know, I was excited just to see that people were willing to go see a comic book movie. And yeah, it wasn't what I wanted to see because again, I, I was like the ghoul where you know I was all about Wolverine, I was about the X Men, you know, I was about right. anything Image that was coming out, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, either way though. I, as a fanboy, I was just excited to see people actually going to see a comic book movie. Mm-hmm. And also, to talk about these comic book movies, uh, next month, they are going to re-release Deadpool 2 in the theaters 
as a PG-13 cut, and it's going to be called oh. Deadpool Before Christmas. Oh. Deadpool and Fred Savage recreating the Deadpool Princess Bride. Deadpool sells out. Yeah, but it's going to have Fred Savage reprising his role as the Princess Bride kid, and they're going to have bookends with Deadpool reading the Deadpool 2 story to Fred Savage in bed, much like, uh, you know, the, they did in Princess Bride. I thought it was a great idea. I think it's fun. You know, I mean, it, it could bring in more people to see Deadpool 2 that might not be okay with their R-rated version. So, I, I'm, I, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing it and seeing what they come out with this. Google, this is all you, man. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm, that's a cash grab, man. I'm good. You know, and I, I own yeah. Deadpool, too. I love it. Yeah. You know, it's fantastic. And, you know, I went with my... 14-year-old daughter and her mm-hmm. girlfriend at the time, who was right, right around the same age, and you know, my son and you know what? Whatever, man. Yeah, kids are going to get the humor. Is some of it adult? Yes. You know, if you put it out as a PG-13 film, all you're doing is now is inviting 8-year-olds to go see it. You know, because yeah, these yeah. days, 13-year-old kids can go see R-rated movies. You know, if if you feel like your kid is mature enough to day, watch yeah. it, you know, you'll take your kid to see it. And I have no problem with that. You know, it's Deadpool. Believe me, I've heard worse things out of my kid's mouth. Um, <laughs> and I know yeah. at that age, I definitely said and did worse things than, well, maybe not mm-hmm. done worse things, but close enough, man. Yeah. Um, but, you know, what do you think, Monkey, about the PG-13 Deadpool re-release? I, first of all, I got to agree with the ghoul. Like, it definitely seems like a ca- cash grab. But that being said, it, it's an inventive cash grab. I'll give it that. <laughs> it um, yeah. Especially yeah. for De- Deadpool and what we get from, you know, Ryan Reynolds doing his Deadpool and the Deadpool universe. Um, but... I don't think it warrants a theatrical release to do this. It's like, uh, mm-hmm. I think them doing this is, if you want to do this and you want to do it, then just do it as a straight-to-DVD release. It's, do I, it I, on I, the Blu-ray, you know? Do it on the 4K mm-hmm. cut, you know? It's something yeah. that entice people to buy that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but, uh, you know, definitely not an individual release in theaters. You know, that being said, though, once I can find a copy, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm gonna fucking watch it. <laughs> <laughs> of course, definitely gonna want to watch it. Um, but uh, I wanted to get away from that before we get into the movie tonight with a couple other things I want to talk about. Uh, one is we, uh, the good one I discussed on the Halloween episode about the chilling adventures of Sabrina and the lawsuit uh, between the Satanic Temple and Netflix and WB where the Satanic Temple was suing Netflix and WB for $50 million over their use of the Baphomet statue uh, in the series. Well, it came out today that the whole issue has been settled, and apparently the verdict is that Netflix and WB settled with the Satanic Temple to include uh, a credit sequence at the end saying that they are getting credit for the Baphomet statue. No mention of them getting any money out of it, but they're going to get a mention in the credits for Sabrina moving forward that the Baphomet statue is credited to the Satanic Temple. Do you think to me right. that to me is a loss? You know, to the Satanic Temple, you didn't get your money. Now you're just going to get a credit. You know, at the end of the series. Okay, but is the actual statue trademarked? 
Because I thought the, the, the figurine that image was that just... Lucian Greaves created is trademarked. But yeah, Netflix but, but WB ba- said that's not the exact version. Yeah, but I thought Baphomet at the same time was just, you know, an all-around religious cre- you know, creature here, and there was nothing specific about it. They're just saying that the image that they used seemed an awful lot like his. Well, because the, the statue that uh, Lucian Greaves created, trademarked, uh, was the Baphomet statue with two kids looking up at him, um, you know, in that kind of uh, weird kind of setting, like in a park. Um, and that's kind of the scene that uh, Sabrina used. So that's why Lucian Greaves had a problem with it. He's like, that's pretty much what I created. Like, you're just ripping me off. The original Baphomet image was created in the 19th century by Elphias Levi. But that Baphomet also had breasts. And this one yeah, was not. So it's kind of different, but it, it's one of those things. It's like with the one I talk about, you know, movies that have uh, the crucifix, you know, and Jesus up on the crucifix. You can do whatever you want, you know, but they're not suing over the images being used. But Lucy yeah. Green wanted to. Yeah. Are they going to go back and tr- try and sue Tom Hanks? For, <laughs> because they had a statue back in the day that looked an awful lot like yeah. Baphomet as well. They're going to try to him too. I remember that. Yeah, but do you guys think that's kind of like a victory? Because to me, like I said, I think it's a loss. Like you, you're suing for fifty million dollars, and you get it settled so that your name's going to be in the credits for the show that nobody's going to watch. Who watches the fucking credits for a show? I don't. I skip right over it. I go right to the next episode. So, what do you think, Gould? What do you stand on that verdict? I mean, I think they got what they wanted, which was a little bit of press and a little bit of notoriety and, you know, try. I think what they wanted was to be taken, quote unquote, seriously yeah, about the whole thing. Um, yeah. So with that being said, fine. If that's what you want, you want to be taken. I don't know. Like, as far as I was concerned, I didn't give a fuck either way, man. I wasn't right. like, yeah. I didn't look at that statue and say, oh, satanic church. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. You know, but that's just like when I yeah. watch a fucking, you know, like the, I watch The Exorcist. I'm not like, Crucifix! Yeah! God in the house! Yeah. That's what it is, man. Your, your religion yeah. is your religion. And if, yes, they want to put a depiction of said thing, if they're not doing it in a disrespectful way, then I don't see why you would complain about it. So I felt like the noise that they were making in the first place was just to make noise. Yeah, and, and, and we talked about that during the Halloween episode. I think it was completely just to make noise, just to get ripples in the water. Because I watched the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, and when I saw that statue, I wasn't like, they're ripping off Lucian Greaves. The Satanic Temple must be pissed. Like, I was, yeah, I was like, okay, cool statue. Looks nice. You know, I, you know, I was like, all right, it's fine. You know, but it, I think it's just Lucian Greaves wanting to get his name out there in the press. You know, and showing people that the Satanic Temple, we're serious people. We take everything we have seriously. It's like, all right, don't take yourself so seriously. Awesome. <laughs> you know, you it. um, it's cool. But um, there is another lawsuit that I wanted to talk about before we get into the movie tonight. This is actually <laughs> crazy of Fun World. Uh, and if you know of Fun World, they're the company that released the Ghostface mask for Scream. Back in 96, that was what Wes Craven used, the created slashers. They were fine with it. They got paid. They were good with it. But apparently, uh, there is a player on the Boston Celtics basketball team 
that goes by the name of Scary Terry Rozier, who has used the mask without permission by Fun World to sell merchandise, uh, as far as being uh, posters and sweatshirts and hats featuring him wearing the ghost face mask. And they are now suing him for damages plus $150,000 per infringement. So anything that has his image with a ghost face mask on it, they are suing for $150,000 per image. Do you think that's overkill on their part, or do you think that they have a decent lawsuit in their hand? I mean, you've got to figure that their lawyers looked at it, and you know, obviously it's not like there's just one person, like, you know, this, this corporate guy, you know, the, the, the CEO of the company sitting there rubbing his hands together saying, I'm going to sue this guy for this much money. You know, the lawyers are going to look at it. They're going to say, how much has this guy made in merchandise? Um, might they inflate it a little bit? You said he was an NBA player? Yeah, for the Boston Celtics. Scary Terry Rose. So, you know, they might look Hell at, yeah, you know, whatever his contract is, you know, knowing the guy's got money. But the reason why they're doing that is because chances are, you know, they know the lawyer knows for a fact that they've got this case concrete. You go high because you're going to settle at a lower figure. But the uh-huh. figure that you're actually settling at is what you wanted in the first place. But that's why you yep. throw out a figure like that to, to generate all of that info. Now, that's one of those where you got to wonder – like, yes, I mean, bringing it to attention and all that. And I get it. Look, he's using your fucking copyright image. And if he's selling products with it, then that's just, that's not right. You know, that is fucked oh, up yeah. if he doesn't have the that's right to, to do so. At the mm-hmm. same time, did this in any way generate more sales for them by him using mm-hmm. them? You know, that's like let's look at like you know Michael Jordan using Nike sneakers back before they were Jordans, right. but when they were just Nikes. You know, yeah. did that popularize the shoe? Yes, it did. Which is why Nike ended up paying him a lot of money to start fucking making his own shoes. Use our <laughs> yeah. shoes. You know, we're all gonna make a lot of money here. Um, right. You know, he. Uh, you would think that in this day and age, somebody would be smart enough to to know, like, hey, if I want to start using this. Or if I'm going to be using this, I might want to get in contact with the company. I would think that the Boston Celtics organization should have known to do this. Um, you know, I, I would even think you know, if he was doing this all the way back in college, you know. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Monkey. What are you going to say? No, but uh, everything that the Google just said is 100% right. Is you know you're going around, you're using a copyrighted image, you're using it to make your own new copyrighted images, and you're selling that shit and making bank off of that. It's like do your research first, <laughs> learn about trademarks, learn about copyrights before you start trying to use someone else's image and calling it your own. Granted, yeah, a bunch of Ghostface shit might have sold, sold but still. You're going around using that image. Do your research first. If you don't, you're just begging for a lawsuit. You really are. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing is that um, Fun World was not opposed to Wes Craven using it in screen. You know, they worked on a deal so he could use it. Um, they also used it in Scary Movie, you know, back in, you know, whatever that movie was released in, like, 2000 or something. But they also worked yeah. on a deal with Fun World to use that image. And they could create whatever they wanted, and they made it fun and weird, you know, but they also had permission. So for scary Terry Rozier 
of the Boston Celtics saying, you know, I like the horror movies and I'm scary and I'm going to put this mask on. It's like, yeah, but do your research, bro. Like, come on. Yeah. You know, they're not stupid. You know, they're going to come after you if you use this. And he's made a ton of merchandise with that ghost face mask on. Like, you know, so for Fun World to say, yeah, for every image that you've used, $150,000. I'm like, well, that's probably chump change to a guy like, you know, Terry Rozier and the Boston Celtics. So I'm sure they'll settle for a decent amount. And just call no, that's it a, day. That's 150k per thing. So who knows yeah. how much swag he has out there with that fucking ghost Yeah, face on that's that. not a chump yeah. change, so, man. You know what I mean? You sell. Let's put it this way: he sells a you know a hundred thousand fucking units. Yeah. And again, the, yeah. the other thing is, is and, and like this is what really sucks for him because I do feel bad. You know, obviously mm. people weren't buying this because it was the ghost face they were buying it because it was him you know and like that does suck it just was it was a stupid move on his part just to not do that little bit of homework and say hey yeah i don't i don't know you know it's it's just one of those where you just wonder how it is that somebody could not know to to do that and how yeah, many people could be around him to not tell him not to do that? <laughs> I know. Yeah. yeah. It's, you know, you, you, it's the same thing if you were running around in a Freddy mask or a J, you know, a J, Jason hockey mask. Same, same damn thing. It's like, <laughs> you know, one, one of these film studios would come after you and go, uh-huh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know. Oh, Victor Miller will come after us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he has no problem. He's too happy right now. He'll do it, you know. Yeah, it just it was so bizarre to me to see that because you know the images that he put out in his, his merchandise so cool, but at the same time it's like yeah, you know reach out to Fun World and say hey listen, you know I, I'm an NBA player and I want to use your image, you know how much is it going to cost? Okay, we'll do it, you know, but to do it without their permission is like come on, you know in this day and age you should know better than to use a copyrighted image, you know for your merchandise. Listen, worst case scenario, they're going to, you know, they're not going to say no, obviously. You know, they're going to ask for a percentage of whatever it is that you make with it. And I'm sure Mm -hmm. it's not going to be obscene. And if they say no, they say no. And you know what? Or if you can't come to an agreement, you can't come to an agreement. Well, guess what then? At that point, create your own fucking image. You know? Mm -hmm. Or, Or hire somebody to create your own damn image. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're going by the, the name Scary Terry Rozier, I'm sure they could come up with something spooky or weird or whatever the fuck you want without using that being uh, image. Yeah, go ahead, Monkey. No, that being said, the Mad Monkey is available for image production of any, any NBA players that are listening to this podcast. There you go. So he's available, guys. So hit him up. He'll help you out. You know, And, and he's a damn good artist at that. He is very good, very talented. You know, and speaking of people that he draws you know, monkey dicks and them. nuts like nobody else. The monkey assholes, nope. they're fucking beautiful. He draws that monkey sphincter, and it is it is detailed. It's fantastic. You'll never find a I know how monkey to, anus. I know how to draw a pucker. <laughs> you know, and speaking of people that worship in their own image. We have a movie to talk about tonight, which is The Sacrament from 2013, directed by Ty West, which is my pick. And we're talking about somebody that's very enigmatic, as known as the father. Uh, So it is my pick, like I had said. The Sacrament from 2013, the plot is this. Fashion photographer Patrick 
works for Vice Media. And so if you don't know what Vice Media is, they're a big kind of magazine conglomerate. They have a show on HBO. They release magazines. They're kind of controversial because they try to dig into the issues that they think you want to hear about and watch. But out of the blue, Patrick receives a letter from his sister, Caroline. She invites him to visit her at Eden Parish, which is a supposed commune located in a remote part of the world. Along with him on this journey are Sam and Jake, both employees of Vice. All seems fairly idyllic at first glance, but soon the quote-unquote paradise that was created there becomes something they never could have possibly imagined. Uh, so why I picked this is because back uh, on Sunday, that marked the 40th anniversary of the Jonestown Massacre in the Guyana jungles. Uh, Jim Jones and his commune all committed suicide. The uh, great flavor and flavor aid, not everybody committed suicide. A lot of them were shot, and it was a massacre, and it was a horrible stain, um, you know, when you think about it, of these people that died. 909, to be exact, a third of them being children, all died at this commune back in 1978. So I wanted to pick the Sacramento because it's a take on Jonestown where it's, you know, not Jonestown. It's kind of like an alternate universe where if Jonestown never happened, this one does. Um, so I wanted to talk about it because the Jonestown movies that are out there are kind of dry. Um, they're not so much about the horror element that we get into with the sacrament. So that's why I went with it. So, Ghoul, what did you think about the sacrament in 2015? I mean, yeah, Jonestown was a uh, was a terrible tragedy. Uh it was the largest loss of American life, you know, at that point, um, up until 9-11 occurred. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, one, you know me, I'm not a found footage fan. Yeah. This, I mean, this, you know, we, we discussed a movie called Red State not too long ago. And, yes, you know, we all felt yeah. like, you know, Kevin Smith was giving his take on the Waco situation. Um, I feel like all Ty West did here was give his take on the Jonestown massacre. That's all this movie really felt like. Mm-hmm. So did you like it? Where did you fall in line with uh, the sacrament? I don't, I don't know if I could say I liked it. Um found it to be kind of dull at times and uh, yeah, well, yeah, you know, yeah. as it is I'm not a, not a fan of the found footage I found that yeah. they, they really didn't you know if you read up on what actually happened in Jonestown there were a lot yeah, of I things have. that occurred besides just that you know there was a lot of government issues going on between them and even though some of those things might have been insinuated or hinted here I just feel like if some of that extra paranoia and tension that was going Mm. on with Jim Jones was represented here, it would have made a lot more sense, you know? And like, I know obviously reading things in hindsight, when we look at the Jonestown situation makes sense, you know, people who were just hearing it happening at that moment, you know, I'm sure they had a similar, you know, question and reaction to like, I guess how I felt with this movie, which was like, you know, just nothing seemed to make any sense. Yeah, and I'm going to try to pepper in some Jonestown facts as we talk about the movie, um, as Please far as do. how it's presented in the movie. I'm, I'm going to try to do my best. I know we have a restricted amount of time, so I'm not going to try to pepper it and make it seem like a Jonestown episode because we're talking about Sacramento. This is Eaton Parish. It's not Jonestown. I'm going to try to pepper in some facts. Uh, but first and foremost, uh, Monkey, what did you think about the Sacramento? All right. First of all, I'm so grateful the film had a score. 
if this film was a completely dry film running the whole found footage bit, then I believe this film would have been completely unwatchable. Second, I too am not a fan of found footage films. The constant bouncing around and, and shit annoys the hell out of me. Give me a decent story with some good special effects, and you don't need that cheap gimmick. And that's why I think it's, the whole found footage thing is as is is just a cheap gimmick. But that being said, they really made the found footage thing work in this film. This is like one of the first films I've seen where it, I thought it actually worked. And it really added to the sensation of being trapped in a Jonestown scenario. And the film itself, I think, did a decent job of capturing the tension one would have felt being trapped in this cult-like environment of Jonestown in its final hours. <clears throat> and that's what I think this film is, is is actually a fresh take on the Jonestown Massacre. And, yeah. you know, like, I, I don't, I don't want to say, like, you know, it's not, this movie is, like, because I find Jonestown so fascinating, it's one of those movies where it was hard for me to tell whether I liked it or whether I disliked it, but, again, as if I was talking like Jim Jones himself, the movie definitely sucked me in. Mm-hmm. Um... And this is what I want to talk about, too. I want to talk about peppering in facts about uh, Jonestown, because I've read so many books about Jonestown. I've watched almost all the documentaries. I'm fascinated by Jonestown. Um, And the sacrament is basically if you just had the last two days of Jonestown happening at Mm -hmm. once, and that's what happened in Jonestown. You had the People's Temple, which there was a sect in America called the Concerned People for People's Temple, that wanted somebody to go out there and see what the fuck was going on because they weren't hearing from people that went to Guyana anymore. You know, there weren't letters coming in anymore from that area. So you had uh, well, also, a senator from California. Well, also, the, conce- the concerned families were also yes. people that had left the yes, temple absolutely. as well. So they were, you know, they yeah. were members who were now out of it. Similar to like, let's say Leah Remini right now with the whole thing with Scientology, Scientology. and all that shit. Yeah. And that's, that's what we pick up of this movie. Um, it's a reimagining of the last two days of Jonestown where you don't really get a lot of background on Eden's parish of what they were doing, but you know, in, in uh, dialogue when Sam meets the father, um, played really well by Jim Jones, and we'll get into it. But that's what you get in this movie. Um, but kicking off, you have Patrick receiving a letter from his sister, who was a recovering drug addict. She finds this place in Mississippi called Eden Parish, and they decide to go off in some jungle somewhere <clears throat> and create a life. Um, and Patrick doesn't want to go alone. He wants to bring along Sam and his uh, cameraman, uh, Jake, to kind of videotape everything, kind of just do a documentary kind of feel to it. And that's what I like about this movie, because it felt like a documentary. You know, at the beginning, you know, Mm -hmm. they land on the airstrip, and, and, you know, there's only one road in or out. But I like the fact that they kicked off this movie with a sense of there's something going on here that doesn't make any sense. Why do these guys have rifles? You know, why do they have AK-47? Like, why are they so upset that we have a camera and that we're here? Um, like, what did you guys think when they first get into Eden's Parish? Because to me, I felt like they were kind of trying to set up that there's something not right. It's not this paradise that Caroline made it seem like. Like, there's something no. going on below the surface. 
Yeah, yeah, they're they're definitely setting it up as everything is not as pretty as it seems. It's not some hippie commune. You know, you have the, <coughs> the the whole thing about they don't even have an airstrip like Jonestown. They just have a helicopter manning pad. You know, yeah, you've got yep. the the one isolated two kilometer road. It takes to actually get to Eden Parish. Once you get there, you find a, a big ass gate. You've got guards yeah. there, and guards are not happy that you're filming at all. And they're starting to cock their rifles at you, going, "You need to cut that shit off." Yeah, yeah. So straight off the bat, the the film does a great job of something is definitely not 100% right. And what did you think, Cool? Like right off the bat, once you get into the airstrip. I mean, you know, again, the movie's called The Sacrament. It's a horror film, so we know that obviously something's not going to be right from the start. I almost wish that they would have played with the fact that things were okay for a little bit longer and, you know, maybe yeah, right from the that. start rather than have that that right off the bat, you know, no, things are not good. But at the same time, too, you know, if you're building a, a commune like that, in a country that is an underdeveloped country that might have, mm-hmm. you know, people in it that are not all thrilled that, you know, their government is leasing land and allowing, you know, basically foreign entities to come in and, and take what, right. you know, they might feel is theirs. You do need a level of protection. And, you know, I don't... Mm-hmm think that, you know, we see it as just that level of protection is from these reporters and whatnot. But, you know, when I'm looking at it, too, I'm thinking, like, you know, who knows what other possible, you know, influences could be being – that this protection could be needed for. And that's brought up later on in the movie. Exactly, cool. It is, in a way. And mm-hmm. once they get into the actual compound of Eden Parish – the one thing I liked, and this is something that if you know Jonestown and if you studied it, you would kind of be like, all right, I get this. And it's the fact that you have Gene Jones as the father on the loudspeakers, you know, talking about oh, yeah. peace and love and, you know, it's all going to be okay. Let's welcome a new day. But when you actually find out about Jonestown is that Jim Jones was constantly on the loudspeakers at Jonestown, constantly yeah. preaching about people from America they don't get us. They don't understand us. You know, we're on our own out here, and we're going to develop a new society. We don't need electronics. We don't need anything out here. But this was going communists, on. communists, man. Yeah, during 11-hour periods I mean, of work. They would be working for 11 hours a day, having to hear mm-hmm. this guy talk constantly on this loudspeaker. <clears throat> and then when the workday was over, he would get everybody into the pavilion, and he would talk more. And he would talk till like, <laughs> 1 o'clock in the morning on these drug-fueled rants about uh, communism and about socialism, about America. And these people just want to go to bed. But yeah, yeah, Jim Jones, you know, <laughs> talking ad nauseum. So in the movie, they don't really show that that much, but they do. I appreciated the fact that they had the loudspeakers with, you know, uh, yeah. the father talking to people as you're welcoming in the community. Um, and they, they had the quick nod there, and that's where I think the – older Jonestown movie with Powers Booth did a better job was because yeah, yeah. you pretty much had Powers Booth constantly on that mic. You know, yeah, and... Yeah. But again, this isn't a Jonestown movie. This is just a spin. But, yeah, again, nice nice nod to they actually had this, you know, this loudspeakers out there for everyone in the field to hear. 
And, yeah, and, and moving on to Carolyn, who is Patrick's sister, played by Amy Simons, who I, I oh. love this actress because I saw her in your next, uh, The Signal. She's upcoming in Pet Cemetery as uh, Rachel Creed. Mm-hmm. We've talked about that before. Yeah. Uh, what did you think about Caroline as a character? Like, did you immediately trust her? Do you think there's something that you probably shouldn't fully get behind? Uh, fuck, you know, man. I just, I just wanted to choke. I wanted to choke her, man. It's like I found her <laughs> annoying as fuck, man. It's like mm-hmm. didn't trust her at all. She was shady as fuck the whole time, and it's just I I just really couldn't get into her character. It's just you know because obviously she was just <clears throat> buying all of this and was one hundred percent behind it. And no matter how you were taking watching this movie, it's like she was definitely not someone to be trusted. Mm-hmm. And and ghoul. Because Caroline's kind of their way in. You know, when they first get there, she's like, no, it's fine. It's fine. Like, you guys, we, we cleared out a cabin. I love the fact that she makes it a point to say that people gave up this cabin so you could stay there. Kind of like as a guilt factor. Like, you should probably feel guilty that people left their cabin for you. So enjoy your stay, but at the same time, <laughs> know that these people give up shit for you. So what do you have, think have about <laughs> Have the best well, your wait life. a minute, though, man. Okay, I mean, here. Okay, here's my thing with Caroline. Okay, you know, Caroline is a recovering addict, and as somebody that has, mm-hmm. uh, you know, gone through, yeah. you know, some of the things that that we've gone through, um, you know, I've seen, you know, obviously in recovery, a lot of people do find other things to really put themselves into. Sometimes that's religion. Sometimes that's work. Um, You know, the trick is to actually find a balance in Mm -hmm. all those things and within yourself more than anything else. That's, that's my, you know, view on it. Um, But again, everybody's, everybody's recovery is their own. And, you know, if that's what works for that person, then as long as they're not harming somebody else, then that's fantastic. Um, I don't know if I took it as much of, of a guilt thing. The fact is, these guys showed up. They didn't know they were coming. She didn't find yeah, out to the last true. minute. So it's not its yeah. not like they could have had other – what were they going to do, build other cabins for them suddenly? Like, you know, <laughs> as far as she knew, her brother was coming, and her brother would be staying with her. Um, mm-hmm. Or, you know, whatever, the two chicks that she ends up hooking them up with later. Uh, you know, Which so I would guys never hear sure about. Oh, uh, well, I, mean, I just was hoping they'd show it. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, Amy yeah, Simon, yeah. you know, she's uh, – She's easy on the eyes, which is good. Um, she yeah, does remind yeah. me of a specific person, which is bad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but, man. you know, overall that, uh, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I, I did not mind her. I thought, you know, I thought she, as an actress, did a good job of being yeah, that yeah. viewpoint when it starts off and then also watching her, demeanor just change over yeah, the course yeah. of the film, I thought really added to the tension and to everything going on, knowing that something bad was coming down and, you know, she just seemed to, to get more and more shaky as things went on. And yeah, and there is a point that I do want to bring up with her uh, towards the end before the ultimate end happens with her, mm-hmm. where I was kind of like, you know what, I kind of feel bad for her in a way. And we'll get there, but... um what I like is the fact that they set this up where you have Sam and Jake 
being isolated from Patrick because Patrick is going off with his sister. She's so happy to see him. So they're setting up. Uh, I like the fact that uh, Jake as a uh, cameraman is setting up so he can change out cards. So they never yeah. run out of battery space. That, like, it was a great little well, line of dialogue. It's like they well, so that, that they didn't. Well, so that they didn't lose the footage they already had, just in case something yeah, happened. Yeah, that, that was. Yeah, that was why. And I thought that was a brilliant little thing to throw in, just to to avoid the whole thing that we always see in fucking horror movies. Oh, we lost all of our footage. <laughs> yeah. It was great to see yeah. someone actually be like, "Hey, change out memory cards, so, yep. so just in case." That that was mm-hmm. an awesome thing. And now you know, I like. That. Yeah, go ahead, Google. I'm sorry. Sorry, that the, the one thing is, is this does lead to one thing overall that did end up annoying me, and that'll come up at the end. But you know, the other okay. camera footage that we get, and you know, again, like you said, this is being shown to us through a, like a documentary style. So right. if we're looking right. at this, you know, this is like watching the episode of Vice that they're going to show. Um, yes, there is uh, Patrick's camera. Which is yeah. what's taking the other footage. His, you know, photography camera has the ability to record video. You know, I, I have a camera that does the same thing. <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, and and that's the thing too is what I liked is the fact that a lot like when Leo Ryan uh, first got to Jonestown on November eighteenth, nineteen seventy eight. Actually, November seventeenth, I should say. I'm sorry. Um, but it was you're going around this a commune and you're interviewing people. And you have old lady B, you know, you know, with the, with the planting all the crops. And she's like, I love this place. Like, this is so great. Like, you know, you know, he, you know, father gave me work, and it's so great. And everybody loves me. Um, and you, you talk about children being born in this commune, and you get introduced to Andre and his brother, and they're all playing basketball, and it's like you have this kind of idyllic commune where it's like everybody gets along, everybody loves each other. But at the same time, knowing what you know, you know that there's this layer underneath that's kind of dark. You know, not you know knowing completely going into this movie, but at the same time, if you know about Jonestown, you know about what's going on. But it's one of the things I wanted to ask you guys is, would you be on board with a commune like that? You know, with the father saying, if you want a job, I'll give you a job. If you want to work, I'll put you to work. Because like, I could see why people would get on board with the father. And want to live that life. Go ahead, Google. I mean, you know, I mean, Jonestown, <clears throat> you know, there was a very high African American population. Yes. Yep. Uh, with Jonestown. You know, people that were, you know, either poverty stricken or, you know, from violent communities, people that needed to get away from that. Because, you know, the alternative was, you know, pretty much living in squalor or possibly death, you know, for you or your family members or your children. Um, So I can easily see why somebody would want to to do that and accept that. You got to remember, too, we're talking about the Cold War. So, you know, when we're talking about, you know, Jonestown. (laughs) So communism was... Something that you know some people were embracing and thinking, you know what, maybe maybe that is the answer. Um, it just wasn't what our country, you know, wanted to be. So if those people wanted to leave the country and go do that, if they were happy, 
then then yeah, go ahead by all means. Then then stay and do what you you feel like you want to do. Uh, at the same time, I feel like you know keeping people there if they no longer want to be a part of it. That's where it becomes, you know, obviously that's where it goes from being a community <clears throat> to being, you know, more of a, a cult type of deal. And, and that's where brainwashing yeah. and shit like that comes into play. Yeah. Um, yeah. You go ahead, Monkey. Where, where do you feel like that? Like, you know, about as far as, you know, not just Jonestown, but joining like Eden Parish. You know, if you're down yeah, on your luck, you have no work, you know, you're not making any money. And then all of a sudden this guy shows up and says, yeah. I can give you money. I can put you to work. You know, join me, and we can create a community where everybody you don't need money there. loves each other. Yeah, right. They have and money and again, you know, picking back on what the ghoul said, in theory, <clears throat> socialism works when everyone's yeah. willing to work and everyone's willing to do their job and everyone's willing to carry their weight. In theory, it works. Unfortunately, we're all human, you know, so therefore that theory goes out the window. But as far as like me personally following behind anyone. It's like, hell, man, you can't even get me to follow a god. You know, <laughs> what makes you think I'm going to yeah. follow a man? You know, and, yeah. yeah, it's like, again, like they cover in the the movie, because they bring it up when they're talking about it in the cabins and stuff like that, is if we're talking about, you know, a, a month or a couple months retreat to get yourself cleaned up, get yourself squared away, you know, your, your own personal little boot camp, Sure, great idea, you know, and go there. Get yourself squared away and then go back to you living your life and, you know, doing it the best you can with the improvements you made there. But as a permanent solution, hell fucking no, man. No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not working well, any fucking fields for 11 hours a day. And that's why I really <laughs> liked Andre because, you know, they have that line where he's like, yeah, we're a couple of poor kids living in the ghetto. And all of a sudden now we have an opportunity to do whatever we want. And, you know, we can play basketball. We have opportunities. And the father gave us all this. Like, whoever would have thought we would have followed some guy all the way to this place. And we're so happy. Like, you know, because they genuinely seemed happy. They genuinely seemed positive about the outcome of Eden's Parish. Like, this is paradise. And we're really happy. They weren't like, yeah, but for the real? Like, you know, they weren't, you know, trying to portray, uh, portray that. Um, and then we have, go ahead, monkey. No, I was going to say, and for the time that we were given with the movie, because again, just like last week's episode, episode, I felt like we have way too much story that we can actually try and squeeze into this movie. And they're trying to do their best here, but I really enjoyed the small bits with the interviews just so we could see that people were happy with their lives there and just to give that little bit of background of why people would even come to an event like this. And I thought that it was important. And I I don't know why, but I just really enjoyed the little segments of the interviews. Yeah, it, w- it was important because they needed to show that there was people there that are happy to be there. You know, they like this little slice of life. Um, but I wanted to talk about at night of the first night that they're there, when they finally get their interview with the father I thought that Gene Jones was the perfect choice for the father. I only knew him from No Country for Old Men, where he played the guy in the gas station that gets killed by Javier Bardem. That was the only guy I knew Gene Jones from. But the fact that his name alone is Gene Jones, I'm like, that's pretty close. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's pretty fucking cool. (laughs) But when he shows up for the first time being led into the pavilion, 
all these people are clapping and applauding and they're hugging him. Like he's a guy that's just all smiles and he's just hugging everybody. And you're like, okay, you know, this guy's a really just cool guy and just wants the best for everybody. But it's when you get down to the interview, when every time Sam asks a question, he flips it on Sam. I thought that mm-hmm. was perfect for this character. And, and I want to get the boy's perspective on the first meeting of the father, because I love the fact that he kept flipping those questions on Sam, never really answering them, always going to another question, because he doesn't want to answer those questions. He wants to put it all on Sam. Well, I mean, I think the idea is, is, I mean, yes, he wants to put it on Sam, but it's also, you know, who is Sam to question any of this anyway? Yes. Um, I agree. You know, it's it's a philosophy, you know. I mean, yes, yeah, somebody can ask somebody, oh, why are you a Catholic? Why are you this? Why are you that? But the fact is, the only person that knows that is that person. And the only person that that person really needs to give an answer to is themselves. Um, you know, so it comes down to a whole opinion thing. And, you know, the the way Sam was questioning I don't think he was he was threatening in any way, but no, at the same no, time too, he was asking what you know would be considered you know. Listen, the fact is, what does the media do? They like to spin things in a way that people are going to tune in and watch. You know, they're gonna they're, they're not selling you fucking you know happy times here. People aren't going to tune in for that. Um, you know, so I think you know, like when you take the Jonestown situation and one there was a hell of a lot more reporters involved with the ones that oh, were coming in yeah. with Leo Ryan. Um yeah. and that was, you know, in that situation that was kind of similar in which, you know, they uh the one woman slipped a note to Dan Harris um yep. thinking that he was Leo Ryan. And that kind of yep. was a bit of a catalyst to kick starting all of this shit. And the real sad thing about that couple, is yeah. is that you know, supposedly, you know, out of, out of all of the people that were there, there were only a handful of people that wanted to fucking leave. Yeah, and, yep, not many. You know, it wasn't like it was that many. So it's not like there were all these people that were there and being held against their will and fucking being forced to do this or that. They genuinely wanted to stay there. And Leo Ryan was going to go back to the United States and say that, you yeah. know what, <laughs> the fucking community is okay, actually. It's really not that bad. It's it's a nicely set yeah. up place, but fucking Jim Jones was sick, and I'm yeah. you know I'm gonna venture that he was mentally unstable by that fucking yeah. point. God knows what, whatever he might have had that was causing that, but I'm sure it was it was fucking with his head, and that's where all of the other shit went down. Well, and that's the aside I want to make really quickly, and I'll try to be as quick as I can. Um, Real Ryan, when he went down to Jonestown. It was November 14th when he first went down. He expected to be turned away from Jonestown. He expected to be turned away, going to fly back. Hey, listen, guys, they didn't let me in. What do you want? But then on November 17th, he finally got entrance into Jonestown. And that's where he got to see it with the film crews of people laughing and dancing and having a good time. And Jim Jones saying, hey, this is a paradise for people. We just want to have fun. Like, we're having a good time. But the fact is that behind the scenes, Jim was telling people to give false answers when asked questions. He was basically telling people, if they ask you how you're doing, you say, I'm doing great. If they say, is there anything wrong? You say, hell no, I'm having a great time. So he was prepping people behind the scenes 
because he knew of this interaction he was going to have with Leo Ryan. He was prepared for mm-hmm. it. So he was going to do anything that he could to do that. So, Monkey, you brought up a good thing to me last night where you talked about the timeline. Where you're like, I thought it was going to be like a couple days. It's not a couple days. It's literally a two-day process between November 17th and November 18th when things it's got not dark. even. It's not even 48 hours. Shit, it's not even really 24 hours. Right. No. No, this whole movie takes like 24 what, like, hours. Not even, though. They arrive at about 1 o'clock, yeah. and they need to be leaving the airstrip by 8, or the hel- they got to get to the helicopter by 8 a.m. the next morning. Yep, right. right. Um, yeah, yeah, and... So, you're good, Yeah, and I, and I was just, you know, I thought the whole thing of between, between the actual Jonestown event, I thought it took several days between <clears throat> the senator getting shot and then the suicide happening. I thought that was several days, and I didn't realize until the team told me that, yeah, all of that happened within 24 hours. One day. Yeah, yeah. But there was, yeah. but see the difference, and, and see that's the thing. What the what the movie is showing us is literally just that one event, as yeah. opposed yeah. to everything that built up to it. So it's in a way, it's like a microcosm of that specific event, which is you know, which is great. It's a little window into it, but for a movie experience. You know, for me personally, I would have preferred to have had a little bit more of a backstory, you know, a little bit more yeah. information up yeah. to what things were going on and how they got mm-hmm. to this point. It would have been a lot and, better. Yeah, go ahead. And I just, want, no, I just want to jump in with my opinion about the whole interview thing was just that I, I thought that <clears throat> when it comes time for a father to do his interview, he was a perfect politician, you know, yeah. just being able to put that spin on it of, acting like you're answering the question, but you're not answering the question at all and spinning it around into another direction. But then the interview does take a turn because I didn't think Sam did a good job of being someone that was doing interviews. Like I told you last night when we talked about this, when you're interviewing someone and you're doing a cold interview with someone you've never met before, you have to be, you know, cordial. You have to be charming. You know, you have to schmooze the answers out of people. And I thought Sam was being too abrasive throughout the entire film with the father when you're there and you're trying to be investigative. You don't come in there fucking all, you know, bristled up like a pissed off cat or anything like that. You're supposed to be smooth. You're supposed to be charming. And I thought his character was just coming across as too strong and too investigative reporting, quote unquote, you know, for the father. And then the interview takes this really interesting dark turn when the father brings up the fact that he, he knows about one that Sam is married, yeah, and two that he's expecting a child. Mm-hmm. And the father is like, "You didn't know I knew those things about you, did you?" He's like, and yeah. and yep. he and he puts and he puts out an ever so soft threat about, well, these are all my children, and I'll do anything I can to protect them. Wouldn't you do anything you need to do to protect your child? Just that yeah. ever so slight threat at the end of the interview. And well, he, totally he, I didn't see that. As, I didn't guy. see that as a threat. And the guy gave the yeah. information to the nurse. You know, he was talking yeah. to the nurse yep. lady and specifically brought up to her at that point. So when he's acting all, like when, when Sam's acting all shocked 
that father knows that and he's getting all defensive about it. I mean, I see father's point there, you know, like you see all the time, like, you know, when somebody's coming in to do an interview, you know, if they've done their, their just duty, you know, and as somebody doing an interview, you need to do a little bit of research. You got to do your homework. But when you blind somebody with something that, you know, maybe you didn't, go over with them prior, you know, or you're trying to do something in that interview for the fact of shock and awe, then, mm. you know, like basically all Sam had was what he does regularly flipped yep. on him. Yep. And they, yeah. uh, what I'll give Sam credit is, is at least Sam himself says, you know, I fucked up on that interview. You know, I, I love that. Up, part. I don't yeah. know what happened. Yep. I love the fact that you included that too, Gould, because I love the fact that he said that. He's like, I had all these questions, and he's like, I didn't even ask a quarter of them. He's like, I'm sorry I fucked up the interview. He's like, I fucked it up. I'm sorry. Yeah, and it's like, it's not a big deal. Forget about it. But then you have the introduction of Savannah handing them the note saying, you know, please help us. Savannah? Ooh la la. Oh, wrong yeah, thing. Sorry. So you left your heart there. Yeah, I did. So, yeah, no, 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 no. Savannah didn't give them a note saying we need help. She did. Yes, she did. No, she Oh, I, I totally missed that part. Fuck, man. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, Savannah gave him the note. Can after, you please help us? After, yeah, after the whole party scene and everything, um, you know, which, you know, at that point, they, both of them were completely, you know, that's, again, that's the funny thing that happens in this movie. But both of them <laughs> yeah. were completely like, wow, I can see why everybody likes it here. You know, all of this was so positive. And then Savannah comes over to them and gives them this note, and all it says on it is "Help us" or "Please help us." Um, and then they go running off, you know, looking for her and all that stuff in the dark. And then they're searching around, you know, as everybody's that, kind of um, in that like trance-like, trance-like music yeah, thing going on. That to me was the creepiest fucking moment of this movie, even before what we get into in the third act. The fact that mm-hmm. all these people, without the father, just standing around singing this fucking hymn with their arms raised up in the air and they're looking for Savannah and you could see whisks of her dress running. It was the fucking, like, I don't know. It was the creepiest fucking scene because all these people were kind of just standing there with these glazed over look in their eyes singing this fucking hymn. It bothered me. I'm like, all right, but, but, right, but look, like I told you when we talked about this last night, man, okay, they're all based out of Mississippi. All right. Yeah. We're talking about, we're talking about Southern Christian and, dude, this is just a tent revival. This is how shit rolls just, at a tent yeah. revival. I was going to say, it's just like a Baptist you know, thing, man. But the yeah, way they, it, they it, filmed it, just it made it creepy. Like, you know, yeah. I know it's just another revival, but at the same time, the way that they filmed it, with these people's just blind expressions in their eyes, it was creepy. But I'm, it worked. And, I can, and I can definitely see how anyone from, like, you know, the New York scene could definitely see this, seeing it firsthand for the first time would find this completely creepy. Absolutely. But, you know, but I also took it as, hey, man, it's, it's just a tip revival. <laughs> I mean, I think, and I also think, though, if you subtract the fact that they're looking for this little girl and she's running yep. around, yep. like, you know, you kind of keep seeing her, and if they, you know, if they subtracted this this feeling of panic that the two of them were exhibiting here, this scene is not creepy. You know, like I completely oh, yeah. get yep. with the monkey yep. on that. You know, it's not a creepy yeah. scene at that point. It's just them, you know, winding down the night, and it's just another hymn and and all that. So yeah. I mean, the movie's doing what it's supposed to do, which is build its tension. 
Um, but yeah, I do agree though. Out of the entire film, this is definitely the you know the one thing I would consider like creepy in the movie. But it's it's by it design, yeah. not because of what it, it is. It was meant yeah. to be creepy, and that's why, like I said, it it, it was unsettling. You know, and in any other situation, it probably wouldn't be like you guys were saying. But because you know what's going on, because you know that they're looking for this little girl who just handed them a note saying, please help us. Um, and then when mm-hmm. they find her and you have Savannah's mother and then another couple saying, we want to leave. We want to leave. We want to get in the helicopter. You guys are leaving. We want to go too." you know, look what they did to my daughter. Like they beat her so much that she doesn't talk anymore. Like now you're getting the sense of there's something going on here and we got to get the fuck out. You know, and what are we going to do? We can't bring everybody in this helicopter. It's not going to fit everybody. Um, just like Leo Ryan with his, his plane. Like, I can't fit everybody that wants to leave. Oh, well, he got, they ended up getting in the second plane, which, you know yeah. what? Had they not gone through all the delays because of that, you know, we might have still had a fucking senator alive, you know? Or yeah, congressman, yep. whatever he was. Congressman, yeah, from California, Leo Ryan. Um, but then you also have the footage that. Uh, Jake shoots of the people meeting at the pavilion with the father and he's instructing people, you know, and they're getting to work and they, they say, I love the fact that they put that documentary too, is that they didn't know what they were saying, but they were going to work. So if you know Jonestown, you know that they're getting ready to put the poison together. You know, they're getting the flavor aid and they're putting the poison together and they're getting it ready for the next day, which is called the cleanup crew. You're the cleanup crew. Yeah. And the next morning, when Sam and Jake wake up, it's fucking chaos. And this is what happened on the morning of November 18th, with people saying, I want to get the fuck out of here. I want to leave. I got my bags packed. I'm ready to go. They're going to take me out of here. And everybody's fighting. and Everybody's saying, I want to leave. And it's just chaos, because they can't take everybody. You know, they can only take a certain amount of people. So who are they going to take? And I love the fact that Jake tells Sam, don't get involved. Don't get involved. Let's just get the fuck out of here. You know, we'll get Patrick, you know, and we'll get out of here with Caroline if we have to. But we can't take everybody. I love yeah, Jake can, in that moment we'll because it was a realistic help. reaction. Yeah, and, and he specifically says, we can come back. You know, we can send help to come back. We're not the Red Cross. We're just reporters. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, but, you know, if everything is going on. And, and Jake admits to being scared. He's like, I'm terrified. Like, I have no idea what's going on. Like, I'm afraid to sleep. And then when he wakes up the next morning and all this shit's going down. This, to me, was like the best example of Jonestown because that's exactly how it happened. Like, it's immediate. The father is ready to make the final plan go into place. And when they start breaking out the flavor aid and they're all mixing the poison and shit like that, and he starts handing out the cups and he's like, just drink. Just drink, you know, and, and you're going to go to sleep, and that's it. That, to me, I thought that was the greatest kind of connotation to Jonestown because Jim Jones, um, I don't know if you guys listened to the death tape from Jonestown, which mm. is like 44 minutes long. It's fucking mm-hmm. horrible to what to do because you have Jim telling everybody, we've lost, and they're going to come. The CIA is going to come in. The government's going to come in. They're going to fucking kill us. Drink what I give you. You're going to go to sleep. We're revolutionaries. This is a revolutionary act. And that's exactly choose what the father says. Choose everybody. to die by your own hand rather yes. than, yep. you know, conform to the government and all of that. You know, again, this is, you know, this is belief. You know, I always, yep. you know, I always said to my kids, you know, and it's, 
it's right out of fucking dogma, you know, the Kevin Smith movie. You know, there's yeah, a difference yeah. between an idea and a belief, you know, and yeah. one is concrete, one is fluid. Um, I, yeah. I personally prefer ideas, you know, that's just me. Um, but I don't knock somebody for having their belief. Uh, I also think that, with the, you know, obviously, again, if we had some back story on this whole mm-hmm. thing, you know, like with the Jim Jones situation, they were running drills where they had the people yeah, doing the white night drills. Yeah. White nights. And, you know, that was specifically, you know, one of those things where, you know, you got to wonder how many of the people that when this went down um, for real, how many of them thought that this might just be a drill again? Well, yeah, and that's um, cool. I'm glad you brought that up. And Monkey, I don't know if you know about the white drills that Jim no, Jones did. But this is a drill that Jim Jones did while he was in the compound in Guyana, where he gave everybody a cup of Flavor-Aid. And he said, they're coming for us, they're coming for us. We've got to be prepared. So everybody drink, everybody drink. It's not going to be a problem. You're going to fall asleep, and we're all going to be fine. And it was just plain Flavor-Aid. It was, there was no poison in it. He wanted to see how far they would go to go with He would tell them it was a test of their dedication. Yes. He was so dedicated to just watching everybody die. And when they drank it, they would be like, yep, we're going with it, Jim. And they would drink it. And he would say, this was just a test. This is an actual poison. You're going to be fine. But it was him setting it up just to see how far they would go. And a lot of people drank and a lot of people didn't. But with Jonestown... If you refused on the day, November 18th, they would put you in the front of the line. There was guards with guns and crossbows that would push you in the front of the line and say, you got to fucking drink. Like, there's no choice for you. You're not getting out of here. you got to drink. Um, so in the sacrament, when that happens, I mean, I don't know how you guys felt, but it was so devastating to watch these people with these cups because you know what's in it. You know, and there's kids drinking these cups. You know, and babies getting injected at the same time. Mothers just, you know, injecting it into watch. their kids' mouths. <clears throat> yeah, you know, like the the cool girl was kind of like in and out watching this with me. And, uh, you know, it was during this scene in particular that, you know, like she turned, she even said, she's like, wow, you know, she's like, this is kind of, this is disturbing. Yeah. You know, so it was definitely some it, disturbing it, it, imagery at this point. It's hard to watch, especially when the one mother has the baby in her arms and they inject the baby in oh, her screen. Because the poison that Jim Jones had was the grape flavor aid, cyanide. Um, there was a couple other muscle relaxers in that. So it wasn't a peaceful death. It wasn't like, I'm going to drink it, I'm going to fall asleep. You were choking on your own lungs. Like your lungs are filling up, so you were gasping for breath. It was not a very relaxing death. And I was glad they showed it the way that they did. With people drinking it and choking and gasping for air and foam coming out of their mouth. Vomiting. And, and vomiting. And I love that Andre stood up to him, stood up to the father and said, why? Why do we have to do this? We could fight. Like, we could fight back. Like, we don't have to do this. And he's like, it's over. It's over. Like, you know, it's, this is what we have to do. And I loved Andre in that moment of saying, we can't fight. Because if you listen to the death tapes, of Jonestown, there is a woman that stands up and says, we don't have to do this. Like, there's an alternative. And Jim Jones is saying, nope, no alternative, drink it, because you're not going to want to get shot. So, I mean, I don't know what you guys thought about Andre, but I love the fact that he stood up to the father in that moment. He's saying, 
I'm not doing it. I'm not drinking it. I'm, it's, we could do this. We could fight. <clears throat> we could do what we have to do. Yeah, it was, it was a good moment. Oh, go ahead, Gould. No, no, I was up. Oh, go ahead, man. No, well, I was just going to backtrack a little bit because I just wanted to be like, not so much Andre was just, I wanted to sit there and go back to the filming of everyone actually drinking the Kool-Aid because yeah. I just wanted to say the choice of the shots that they chose during all of this, especially yeah. all of the, the, the little kids, not the babies, the little kids, they chose yeah. these awesome, awesome shots showing the kids drinking their Kool-Aid and then smiling at the camera and holding up their cup, Yeah, you know, because yep. they were like, you know, I drank it and, you know, and little kids being little kids going, hey, I did what you did, mommy. And it yeah. just really fucking hit hard, that scene of just, you know, granted no kids were actually hurt, but still just flashing you back to what actually happened and what this is all based on. The, for me, it's just those were some really hard scenes to watch. As a it parent, really, it is just, you know, it is really just, it's unthinkable. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I, I could, I could never. There's no, there's nothing, nobody, no way that could ever convince me that that yeah. is, you know, yep. the the way to go. I mean, literally, death has to be fucking. You're talking, you know, if men with guns are coming, then they better be at my fucking doorstep at that point. And then, you know, maybe, maybe then, yeah, I might think about fucking saying, hey, you know what, if this is the easier way for me to put my kids down, then I'll do yeah, it that yeah. way. But it's literally not going to happen until zero hour, dude. You know, I, yeah, they would have had to have shot me or fucking, you know, I don't know. But, you know, also some of the the drugs that they found were also... You know, like you said, like muscle relaxers. There were also some yep. mind relaxers as well. So, oh, yeah. you know, yep. you got to wonder yep. how much of this was also chemical hypnotism of him convincing these people by using these methods, you yep. know, over the whole course of time. Um, and But the best example of the drug being used, uh, in the sacrament especially, is with Patrick, um, where he's tied up oh. in this office. And his sister comes in. And she has the cup, and she's like, just drink, just drink. You know, things are going on, but we got to drink. And he's like, I don't want to drink that. Like, I don't want it. And she's like, all right, well, he's not going to drink. I'm going to inject him. And then when she injects him, to me, I don't know what you guys felt, but I thought that was the most realistic depiction of somebody dying. Because he doesn't know what he got injected with. He doesn't want to die. He's begging her, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. And then he starts going, you know, and choking on his own breath. And convulsing because it's a violent death. It's a violent way to die. And to me, that was one of the most disturbing sequences because Patrick didn't want to die. Like, he came here to see his sister, and now he's being injected against his will and dying for the cause that he had no interest in. But on top of that, we had no pause from the sister. It's like, you know, when he refused and he literally, like, kicked the cup away with his face, you know, literally, no pause, you know, not. No explanation for anything that's going on. Literally just picks up the needle and just shoves it into his neck. And she just jumps back and drops the needle just to watch him die. Like, no explanation, no nothing. You know, it's like... Well, yeah, I mean, th- there was no violence involved with hmm. how she did it. You know what no. I mean? Like, you no. know, you can see clearly that this is what she's believing in. This is what she, you know, feels like he should be doing. Um, and yeah, you know, you really feel for the Patrick character at this point. Um, yeah, I don't know 
how, you know, I, I have five younger sisters, and, like, I, you know, sense of a cool girl at this point, you know, like, if any one of them ever did that, like, you know, I don't know if I'd be sitting there, you know, crying and saying, you know, like, I don't want to die, I don't want to die. I think I'd be more along the lines of, like, making sure to explain to them, like, just so you know, if there is any possible way that there's reincarnation or anything, yeah. I am going to fucking find you and make sure <laughs> that there is no fucking way you are ever going to live a good, decent life ever again. It's just never going to fucking happen. Um, but no, again, you're obviously, you know, you're scared. You're in a panic. Nobody knows how they're going to react in that kind of situation. I could say that, and who knows? The reality is I might turn into a blubbering fucking bitch. Um, you know, it's... Uh, it was though. It was. It was the, the scene that actually it made me think of, um, as far as like uh, just an uncomfortable and, and a death that you feel sympathy for, uh, was Saving Private Ryan, um, when the no. one kid gets into the fight with the Nazi in the room, oh, and, and they're fighting oh, yeah. back and forth with the knife. And the Nazi gets the upper hand, and he's just slowly bringing it down, and. And the guy is trying, you know, the, the the photographer guy, the reporter guy is sitting right outside and he's too scared to go in. And the kid's yeah. just begging this Nazi now at this point, you know, like, no, 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 no. But meanwhile, two seconds ago, he was trying to kill him, you know, and it was yep. just this back and forth between the two of them. And it was just such a, it was like you felt sympathy, but at the same time, it was like you were just trying to do the same thing too. So it's like, fuck, yeah. you know, so yep. that, that I know, obviously, the scenes are not similar, but the the feeling I had for both the scenes oh, yeah. was. Yep. And I completely yeah. get where you're coming from. And, and it was the whole thing where Patrick is killed. Um, and you have Jake running into the office with Caroline, and he sees Patrick's dead. And he's like, it, it's fine. It's fine. Like, we can still get you out of here, Caroline. We can still get you on the chopper. We, we can get you out of here. It, it's going to be okay. And she's like, it's not. You came here. You did this. This is your fault. This is your fault this is happening. And she pours gasoline over herself and sets herself on fire. I was like, I know the mm-hmm. bunch of you know, like this, it's a practical burn on a body, but I do. at the I same do. time, she's sacrificing herself. It's not like she's like, fuck it, I'm not taking any poison. No, she's killing herself in a violent way as well. And it was just, and, it was a really weird moment. And I just want to say that I thought it was very interesting that they sit there and brought up the the second camera for this movie. Yeah. Yep. Because while we were watching all of that, I, I was like, how the fuck are they getting that if there's not anyone filming in the room? Yeah. And yeah. and then I when Jake come, comes in with his camera, and then you see that the other camera is there in the room. I was like, oh, the B-reel. That's how they're getting these other shots now. And I was like, okay, you know, that's really cool that they, you know, were smart enough to remember to sit yeah. there and show yeah. that so that you could know yeah. how that this documentary footage was actually being done. Yeah. Ah, but see, this is, yeah. but this is where exactly. my problem comes in. We see that camera again with, uh, you know, when father, father. is in, yeah. in the room, they don't take that camera. They mm-hmm. leave that camera behind. Which they means, do. how did this B-reel footage get in this documentary? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Oh, that, that is the good point, Gould. Cool. I, I totally am behind that 110% because I thought the same thing watching it this time around. I'm like, well, how? Because the one guy set fire to the entire place. 
So how did they get the camera? You know, um, it it didn't take away from the impact though. It didn't for me. It didn't take away from the impact of what was happening, um, especially when Jake runs into the one cabin with Savannah and her mother. Like again, another scene where it's like, all right, he just witnessed a girl setting herself on fire, and now he's running into another cabin, and you have Savannah and her mother, and she's like, they're not going to take us. They're not going to take us. There's no point in getting out. And she slits her daughter's throat. To me, Ugh. I was like, all right, that's just, it's so hard to take at this point. Like, you see so much as it is. And this poor girl getting her throat slit. Um, I don't know what you guys thought, but I was like, yeah. I, I was like, when is this movie going to end? Because you see so much. Like, it's just, you know, a lot of things going on. Yeah, but like the ghoul literally just said, someone right, literally on your doorstep. And she, she, you know, what but are you going to do? Ra- but she, she could have ran. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, you could have, there's fight, there's the whole fight and flight mechanic. You know what I mean? So, yep. and I get that obviously, you know, this woman is a, is portrayed in a pathetic light as it is. And she seems, yeah. you know, yep. in, in that, that, Obviously, flight, mechan- fight, not fight. I mean, she's, I don't know, man. You know, it pissed me off because it was like, listen, lady, you know, you're in a fucking jungle, but she could have ran at any point and tried to get the fuck away. And then, you know, if if at that point you got nowhere to go, yeah, like I said, I, I don't know. People are fucking me weird, man. There were things that just pissed me off. Thing. It's a frustrating thing. It really is because she had options. And instead, yeah. she decided to cower in a cabin and slice her daughter's throat and then get shot to death, you know, by a guy that carried an AK-47 in the, you know, in the com- uh, compound. Um, and I yeah. know, Monkey, now, you were saying about that shot. It worked for me as well. Oh, oh yeah. It's just the whole thing is that shot of, you know, you, you had our camera guy sitting under the, the bed. He, he shows the throat getting slit and then... He puts the cam- camera down. You see the guy walk in the room. You hear the gunshot. And they do an awesome job of where they pause the film right there. And then they do up all the special effects. Because this movie was done, filmed in sequential order, actually, just so you know. Um, yes, it was, yeah. Yeah. So when you do, you know, they pause the, the shot. Then they put all the effects on <laughs> the mother. And then our camera guy picks up the camera and then points and her face is covered in you know goo and Cairo syrup and stuff like that from getting shot and it's mm-hmm. just I thought it was a really brilliant camera trick to it was. make mm-hmm. it all seem like it was just one fluid shot even though it isn't um, I thought it was a brilliant tr- camera trick and, and closing it out um, what did you guys think about the final confrontation between the father and Jake and Sam Sam's obviously been tied up he's in the father's cabin and the father, he's not taking any responsibility for anything that happened. He's blaming it on them. You know, saying, oh, yeah. as he's doing bumps of fucking cocaine off the table. Like, <laughs> he, did, he, did, he, did, he, did, he did two lines. <laughs> yep. He's just taking bumps, you know, and he's just like, you know what? This is your responsibility. You know, these people's lives are in your heads because you caused this. Yeah, and he picks up that fucking gun and goes, God help me! And fucking blows his fucking brains out. Um, I love that effect when they put the camera on his face and he had the blood coming out of his nose and his mouth because he took that way out with the gun. 
But mm-hmm. what did you think about the father's ultimate demise? Because in Jonestown, Jim Jones actually had his nurse shoot him in the head. He didn't drink the poison. He had his nurse shoot him because he didn't I want to they, die that uh, way. I thought it was shown that it was self-inflicted, his gunshot wound. No, it wasn't. It was his nurse that shot him. It came out that his nurse actually put the gun to his head and shot him. And then she drank the poison herself. But for the longest time, it went around. It, I'm backing the ghoul up here, actually, because, yeah, for the longest time, it was thought and put out there that he went and ordered the mass suicide and then committed suicide himself with the gun at the end. Mm, yeah. So, so, that you, is, so that is a common belief but behind all of the Jonestown massacre stuff. It is. And, but, and know, 10 minutes, all the stuff, yeah, it was his nurse that actually shot him, you know, in the head um, and then drank the poison herself. But in the sacrament, I just love that effect, though, where he's like, he's blaming Sam and, and Jake for everything that happened. And then he just puts a gun in his mouth and blows his fucking brains out, you know, and they don't fucking cut away. It's like a Bud Wire fucking situation. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. that's exactly what I thought of in that scene. You know, that's exactly, you know, that shot of him coming up to that fucking microphone and then, you know, <laughs> yeah. just taking that fucking gun out of that, that thing. Like, that's one of those fucking videos that you see oh that God, and yeah. you never yep. forget that you fucking seen it. It, like, changes your <laughs> fucking life forever. Yeah, the Bud Wire <laughs> suicide on tape. Yeah, you never forget it. And that's the way I felt with the father. Um, you know, and then you have after the father dies, they release Sam, you know, from his restraints. They get into the copter and they see the devastation going on uh, of everybody dead. You know, holding hands. You know, people are, are laid out. Um, we we didn't cover Andre, who drank that poison, and he goes, "My mom and my dad are dead. I'm not going to heaven. I ain't going to heaven. Please stay with me. Please just stay." I'm like, "Oh God, man!" Like, you know. And then one of the situations where it's like, yeah, you know, you want to stay with this kid because he doesn't have anybody left and he's dying. You want to stay with this kid. You're fixated as hell on Andre, man. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because I felt like, you know what, I agree with Andre. He he was in a bad situation in America, and he got into a good situation in Eden Parish, and now he has to drink poison. Yeah, but again, man, you know know what, dummy, you didn't have to drink it. You could have resisted. You know, and if they're mm-hmm. going to fucking shoot you for resisting, then so be it. At least you know you didn't fucking, you know, go into that shit. Yeah. Don't, um, don't run. run like a punk bitch. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then they have the the, uh, the postscript of the movie talking as they fly out that 176 members of Eden Parish died at that compound. And then it got set on fire by the one guard that stayed alive. Um, I, as I said at the start of the episode, in Jonestown, 909 people committed suicide by poison or shot, yeah. a third of them being children. But what's most devastating is the fact that they're not even sure if that's the actual amount. Because when they committed suicide, it took a day or two for Guiana police to get to the actual site. And you think about the fact that it was in the jungle, it was hot, it was 76 degrees. The bodies were basically liquid at that point. <clears throat> So people yeah. coming to Jonestown were using shovels to dig up these bodies that were layers upon layers. So they're not even sure the fact that it's 909 people, but it's the fact yeah. that this happened. It's the fact that Jim Jones 
with all good intentions, had this people's temple and led these people to commit suicide, just like in Eden's Parish. It's a devastating thing. Mm-hmm. And it's something that, as we close out the episode, I don't want anybody to ever forget that these people wanted to do good things. And they followed. Well, they also wanted to give all their money to fucking the USSR, man, which was our enemy at the time. So Mm -hmm. I I don't know if I'd say these people wanted to do good things. They wanted to have their own society, which is not a bad thing. And if they Mm -hmm. want to have a society that is, you know, not in conjunction with the United States outside of the United States, that too is not a bad thing. Um, But I don't know. That would be like, you know, It'd be like somebody saying, hey, listen, you know, I, I don't like America. I'm going to go fund ISIS. You know, like, yeah. I'm In not way, yeah. down for yeah. that, man, you know? No, no, no. thank you. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, with Jonestown, it was China. It was Russia. They were trying to get extradition to these countries to live their life as people's temple because they felt like the U.S. was going to come after them. And when you, when you listen to the death tapes, there is somebody that says, what about Russia? You said we're going to be good in Russia. And Jim goes, no, not, that's not something that's going to happen. <laughs> you know, it's, the, the, these people followed him until the end. And the people that didn't follow him were killed. Um, yeah. so, no, he's in the uh, juice, Mr. Jonesy. Mm, <laughs> so it, it's an important thing. And there's so many books about Jonestown. There's a lot of documentaries, but, I thought the sacrament was a great kind of alternative universe to Jonestown. So it was like I agree, man. Um, yeah. You don't get the whole story. Like the ghoul said, you don't get the full story, which I felt like, you know what, they needed to have a little bit more. But at the same but time, you, want, you get the feeling that you were there. And on the flip side, if you want the whole story, then yes, you do have the Jonestown movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, power you know, if you want the whole movie. story, then you do have that option. All right, this was just an alternate take on it of yeah, the final like hours of Jonestown. And mm-hmm. the, like I said, I don't know if you guys have ever listened to the death tapes. It's 44 minutes long. It's fucking horrible, and it's going to ruin your weekend. So let's do it on the Monday when you're having a bad day at work. Oh, but you know what? Talk about it. I'm going to go to sleep to it tonight. This way I'm all set for Thanksgiving, you know? Oh, it's going to be great. Yeah, listen to the death tapes. For 44 minutes of Jim Jones fucking repeating to everybody, drink it, drink it. You know, it's fine. We're going to be good. Um, but uh, as we close out, um, I want to thank everybody for listening to our podcast on the sacrament. Uh, mm-hmm. So whose pick is it next week as we go into it? I believe it goes it's to mine. Monkey. It is. My pick. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, this is for all of you new listeners. I have only one rule when it's my pick. Everybody hosts. No. No one quits. Mm-hmm. God. If you don't do okay. your job, I'm going to kick you off the show myself. <laughs> welcome to the uh, Welcome to the Roughnecks. Who's Roughnecks? Monkey's Roughnecks. Because we're covering Starship Troopers. Oh, fuck. I'm into it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm into it. Hell yeah. Let's do it. Get your bugs good. good. Yeah, I know the goal. You're into it. I'm into it. All right. So, Michael, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, Start your troopers, everybody, next week. So, why don't you sign yourself off? All right. This is your cuddly little horror host, the Mad Monkey. I would like to thank my horror family, the Talking Terror crew, for another fun-filled, fright-filled episode of your favorite horror podcast, Talking Terror. 
And to all of you listening at home, thanks for listening and letting me come in your ear. <laughs> May you all have a wonderful Thanksgiving weekend. Good night, everybody. Less than a minute, so go ahead, Ghoul. Close this out real quick. Uh. Everybody, uh, head over to our sponsor at Bonfire Bead Designs, Etsy page, all one word, Bonfire Bead Designs. Um, nice. I, uh, <laughs> she's got all kinds of jewelry, man. She's been crafting shit. Uh, creepy doll eyes have been a, a big seller lately. Um, people are definitely enjoying them. They're a great gift. Christmas is around the corner. Uh, she can get shipping out to anywhere in the United States. So fucking buy. Buy, 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 buy. It's commerce time. Stay scared. Come on, say it. Oh, stay scared. Until next week. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Eat as much food as you want. Watch all the TV that you want. We'll see you here next week for Starship Troopers, people. Can't wait. Fuck you. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving.